unique yet common sense opinions on sports. This is Jeff Allen Sports Talk. On this week's show, we welcome Ben Stout. He's a buddy of mine from the Nightline Sports Network, and he made his debut calling college basketball on ESPN Plus at the UCF Tulane game. And we will talk to Big Ben about his experience. He's standing by in the virtual green room and will join us in just a moment as far as first-timers ever on television. Ben did a remarkable job. Does a good job by him, and we'll talk to him all about that momentarily. So your winner of the day, Tona 500, Michael McDonald. I keep forgetting when I'm in love anymore. I keep forgetting things will never be the The Doobie Brothers, Michael, no, no, not that. It was Michael McDowell. Okay, Michael McDowell (laughs) wins the Daytona 500. And uh, not sure who he is, but uh, congratulations to him. And as you would expect, Guess how we won? There was a wreck on the final lap. That never happens. <laughs> That's NASCAR's biggest problem. The way these races end are just ridiculous. Okay, let's do a bunch of cautions before we get to the, the last lap, and then we're going to have a big blowout on the last lap, a big crash, and somebody will zip by to win the race. Eh. That's why NASCAR's got problems. But uh, maybe Michael Jordan, now that he's involved with his number 23 car, as an owner, will be able to ride to the rescue. He's got a big job ahead of him as far as that is concerned. It is my pleasure to welcome back to the show one of my colleagues from the Nightline Sports Network, and he made his debut on ESPN Plus, covering UCFN Tulane last week. He's our the official man in the middle for the Jeff Allen Sports Talk, Sports Talk Podcast. Seven foot one, Ben Stout. Ben, how are you, buddy? I'm doing well, Jeff. How about yourself? I'm doing great. Uh, glad to have you on once again. And uh, again, congratulations on the uh, debut as an analyst for ESPN Plus. I wanted to ask you a few questions about the experience and uh, whatnot. So uh, kind of first lead us into this uh, you know how did you uh, you know present yourself for that opportunity yeah just it kind of came about a little randomly but um on on the tuesday night of last week i got a phone call from mark daniels the voice of the knights um and he runs the he not only is the voice of the knights and obviously you you know him from over the radio uh but he runs a lot of the production um over there at UCF and he um, had an opening essentially essentially what happened is the uh, the the gentleman that they had slated to do the color commentary for the Friday night game against Tulane unfortunately could not do it he had a he had a conflict he wasn't able to do it and it was something that kind of came up that week that day and uh, luckily for me they were brainstorming <clears throat> They were brainstorming on who to, you know, who could fill in for him, and uh, my good buddy Mike O'Donnell, uh, I guess, uh, was the one that ultimately brought up my name, and I guess everybody in the room didn't didn't hate the idea. So uh, I, I found myself on the phone with Mark, and he talked to me about it and talked to me about the opportunity, and um, I couldn't say yes quick enough. I was I was really excited for. 
the opportunity and the week was kind of a blur from there the game itself was kind of a blur but it was it was just so much fun and um, everybody at UCF was just so welcoming it was it was a great time so basically you know like a lot of times you know people will uh, kind of you know try to get their name out there and uh, and and whatnot to had you had approached UCF about doing this previously no, I haven't. It's something that I, you know, it's kind of funny. It's something that I didn't even realize that I, you know, wanted to do uh, until it until it actually was offered to me. Um, I, I think that, you know, potentially there's there's been a, as you know, I'm pretty active on Twitter about UCF basketball, and I and it, you know I know a lot about the team, the ins and outs of the team, and of course on the. Nightline Sports Network and the podcast and on the radio show Nightline at Night on Tuesday nights. I mean, um, I'm, I'm the guy for the team talking about uh, UCF basketball all the time. And so I would imagine that they knew at least that I, you know, did all the stuff with Nightline and they felt comfortable enough that I knew how to talk about the team and talk about the game action. And, um, and so it just kind of came about from that end. Uh, I, there was, there's, there's never been a time that even Mike and I had talked about us, us doing that or me doing that. Um, but I'm really thankful to him and grateful, um, to him and, and Mark and others at, at UCF that they, um, thought enough about me to give me the opportunity. And, um, and it went pretty well. So, uh, take me to, to game day and, uh, uh, and how that uh, went for you. I trust there was a production meeting, uh, uh, at some point during the, the course of the day to, to get prepped for the game. Yeah. So the, the day before the game, um, on that Thursday, Austin Lyon, who was doing the play by play, uh, you know, local guy, he's just a, a, you know, a great guy, um, has done a lot of stuff for the sentinel he's done a lot of a lot of stuff in in color or not color content excuse me play by play uh for espn plus games and other games um as well so he's a he's a pro he knew he was doing he gave me a call on on thursday and we we talked for a while um just about what to expect and everything and and then thursday afternoon we had our zoom meeting with um with Ron Hunter, Coach Ron Hunter of, the, of Tulane, and so um, it was. It was us, uh, Austin, and I, Ron Hunter, the SID for Tulane, and um, and the uh, uh, production AD for for UCF. And so we were, uh, we essentially, Austin and I, essentially interviewed Ron Hunter uh, for about twenty minutes or so, just to, not only about the game upcoming. Uh, for him, but just in general about how this year has been for his team and just how his team is doing right now. And, um, that was, that was just great for me to be on, um, an experience. Uh, just Ron Hunter is just a very charismatic guy. He had, he had great conversation with us and it was, it was cool as being the first time in an opportunity like that. It was, it was kind of, it was kind of neat. And then, um, Friday going into the game, Friday game day, we, um, I got to, we got to do the same thing on a phone call with Johnny Dawkins. And that was right before I got ready and left for the game. So we talked with Johnny, Johnny for about 20 minutes or so at three o'clock that day. And then I kind of started to get ready to uh, head over to the arena for the game. All right, so uh, you 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 have that prep work and all that taken care of, and so you're getting ready. You, you get you sit down, you're ready for the broadcast. How were your nerves? Were was it anything like when you were a player? 
I, it was kind of similar to when I was a player. I mean, uh, all throughout the day, you know, just kind of, I carry my nerves in my stomach. So my stomach was kind of growling, you know, during the day, just, I kind of, I was, I was, I, I would, I'd be lying, Jeff, if I said I wasn't nervous, you know, uh, um, I was, I was nervous throughout the day, but luckily with everything kind of leading up to it, you know, great conversation with Austin and, and both coaches. And I talked to MOD earlier that day, he gave me some great advice. Um, just throughout the, as the day went on. And then especially once I got to the arena, the nerves started to go away. And, and once we, once we got into the swing of things, um, I, I didn't really feel much nerves and I was just kind of going with the flow and trying my best to be a good contributor to the, to the broadcast, you know? And, um, and like I said, Mike uh, O'Donnell gave me some great advice during the day and I kind of took that with me and, um, and just, and, uh, you know, once the game gets going, kind of seems like it's over with in a flash because it really does go fast. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it was, it was, I felt a lot more comfortable as, as each minute ticked off the clock. So it was good. Yeah. And of course, you know, what a lot of people don't know is on, you know, ESPN plus broadcasts, those are generally produced by the, the home school. Uh, that's right. Uh, so that's kind of like, you know, uh, which is kind of a big deal with, with the upcoming, you know, new contract with the AAC and what opportunities that affords as far as, you know, all the broadcasts of, uh, of UCF athletics goes and things like that. Um, so I know you tweeted uh, out that you uh, were struggled a little bit between not saying uh, we and us versus yes. UCF and Knights. That's obviously something that, you know, being a lof- like lifelong Knight, you know, that's second nature to you. <laughs> yeah, not, not only that, Jeff, it's, it, you know, not only, you know, I'm just used to saying we and us for the last 20 years, basically, you know, when I'm talking about the Knights, but obviously uh, we're on the Knights li- Nightline Sports Network, right? Like we're on UCF Nightline when we're, when we're talking, uh, you know, we're talking UCF sports and, 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 I, and I know that you're used to that doing the AAC because we're, you know, it's a broad thing across the conference, but when, you know, when I'm on the podcast or the radio show, like it's all about UCF, right? So I'm just, I'm just used to in a kind of a broadcast environment, I'm used to just always saying we and us. And so I, I acknowledge that even before the game started, I thought to myself, I'm like, oh, I'm going to really have to concentrate on saying UCF and concentrate on saying Knights um, instead of saying we and us. And I definitely slipped up a few times. I think I counted about three or four times in the first half that I slipped up and couldn't do that. But uh, I was able to clean it up in the second half, and it was a lot better. But it was kind of funny because during one of the early commercial breaks, um, I kind of turned to Austin before he could kind of turn to me. And I said, I know, I, my bad. I've, I've been trying to do it, you know, <laughs> but trying to uh, make sure I don't say we and us. But. It uh, didn't work out uh, right before that, but then I think once I acknowledged it, I I was even more conscious of it. I was able to be a little less biased. But you mentioned the ESPN Plus broadcast; they're they're run by the schools, right? I mean, um, I think UCF in particular of the games that I've watched of UCF basketball this year. I think they they do um, such a great job of like remaining professional, and uh, you really do feel like you're watching a game that. Um, is produced by ESPN, you know, um, and I, I, I can't necessarily say that about 
every school in the American. Um, as far as what I've noticed, there seems to be a lot more bias in the other schools' broadcast. So I was even being egged on at, on Twitter and stuff, you know, to, to be more biased. And I, I, I suppose there's only so much more, um, you know, there's, there's, there's your natural bias regardless of, of how you're trying to, to not be that, um, that are just in there when you're have such a deep connection to the school. Yeah. Well, you know, but you know, but as you, as you often talk about, you know, halftime adjustments, you made those as far as, you know, so broadcasters have to do that too. And, uh, you know, and, and you are right because, you know, I, one game immediately comes to mind to me was the, uh, the UCF football game at Houston, which was produced yes. by Houston, was so slanted toward the Cougs. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, to me, I almost think, think that they they might want to do themselves a favor, and besides the ESPN Plus logo, maybe just put the school's logo up there, just so you know who's producing the broadcast. Um, they, they should have, in some effect, maybe they should just be a little bit more, um, I don't know, like you certainly put leave the ESPN Plus logo up there, but like maybe something like, off the top, you know, produced by this school, you know, the home school, because you, you would expect it more as a fan, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> no question about that. So uh, did you get any um, uh, did you get any blowback from Tulane fans on Twitter? <laughs> uh, not that I could tell. Uh, not that I could tell. Maybe I, <laughs> I don't think any Tulane fans uh, necessarily noticed. Uh, but just speaking of Twitter, I mean, I, I, I was joking around with my wife last night how you know, the UCF Twitter mafia um, can be uh, pretty brutal when it comes to, um, you know, members of other schools, but certainly, certainly are very, very nice um, to their own. And, and uh, I just, the amount of support, it was really cool of UCF basketball to kind of like post something early in the day on Friday saying, you know, that I was making my ESPN plus debut and they, had a picture of when I played it for UCF and, and then just from that moment on, like everybody just so supportive and, and all these different tweets and, and text messages from family and friends. And, um, just the amount of support that I got from everyone was just really, really, it meant a lot to me and I really appreciated it. And, uh, and it made the, a very special day and night, uh, that much more special for me. It was, it was really cool. Well, I know you said the game itself was a blur, but does anything stand out to you uh, that that uh, you know you, you you just you know, kind of takes your breath away about what, like wow, you know, about the experience? Yeah, well, um, I think one of the ways that or the way it started was kind of funny, and I, I don't know if you remember, but I mean, uh, so first off, uh, probably nobody would notice this but me, but um, one of the big storylines going into the game that we were going to touch on was that that Tulane is just such a young team. They have no seniors on their team. You know, they have a lot of transfers. They have no seniors on their team. And they're getting all their scoring for freshmen and sophomores for the most part. And so right out of the gate, whoever won the tip, we were going to show the starting lineup. And on the graphic for the starting lineup, and Austin starts reading it down, he mentions that Tylen Pope, who I know is a freshman just because I've been so, like, you know, into the notes of the of each of these players, uh, it says that he's a senior on there, and um, and you know Austin's a pro, and he rolled with it, and he said that you know only one senior on this squad, and I, so I'm left with like this strange thing to uh, you know should I should I kind of mention that there's you know like that he's actually not a senior, so I, I kind of let it roll, and I, I mentioned it quickly, and then we kind of moved on. 
Um, but then that, so that occurred right out of the gate. And then, and then the, you know, a minute or so into the game, the scoreboard situation happens in the arena where the scoreboard just goes completely dead as far as the actual score itself. And so there's this like two minute, three minute, four minute gap that we have to just fill where we're on the air, but there's no action going. Mm. And so I'm expecting to like, you know, kind of get into the game and like start talking about the action. But now all of a sudden I'm like, oh my gosh, I've already said everything that I was like prepared to say that wasn't game oriented. And now I have to kind of like banter with Austin and fill time. And luckily I, you know, it, it went fine. Um, but it was just a kind of a curveball thrown there right in the beginning. And so I'd say those two instances, well, I'll always remember that. And then just at the end of the day, the fact that this whole experience and just everything happened. And, um, I, I think that the fact that the Knights won in a really kind of a fun game to watch in the second half, especially, um, at UCF one at the end of the day, it's just kind of that cherry on the on top. That was that was really cool. Yeah, and what also what folks might may or may not know is you know, and, and I've I've done some play by play on the radio. I've never done it on television, and I know television is a whole different animal than radio. And what people don't realize is you know. Now, you're not only just hearing yourself in your headsets, you're hearing people in the production studio in your headsets as well. Yes. Uh, you know, it, it, it makes concentrating on what you're trying to do very difficult sometimes. <laughs> yeah, it definitely does. Um, luckily, the the guys that uh, work the production or the production at um, UCF, they're, I mean, not only on being great guys and they were very encouraging, you know, during the broadcast and everything, but they they do keep that to a minimum during game action. Uh, for the most part, I would hear them when, uh, when we knew we were going to a break. So like, you know, a timeout happens or whatever it may be, media timeout. And they would, they would quickly say, you know, a few words of like what to expect. So they would say things like, you know, quick or like quick. And that would be the cue to Austin to just kind of quickly go to break. And, you know, that we were just going to go right out um, or they would say things like replay, carry, feel, and layup, or something like that. And then, so we knew what the replay that they were about to show in that 15-second period before the break. So luckily, they were super cool, and um, they weren't in my ear the whole time. But it is definitely an added thing, an added element to it that you have to, have to um, kind of uh, work through. Yeah, yeah. Just just broadcasting the game on its on the surface is hard enough. <laughs> there, you know, yes. there there are those extra intangibles as well. So uh, let's take a quick moment or two to talk about the night season. It's definitely not what we had hoped for. Um, you know, when you look at uh, you know what COVID has done uh, throughout college basketball and the landscape. You know, when you when you look at the fact that you know Duke and Kentucky are having miserable seasons, uh, right. you know, like Kentucky's got thirteen losses. That's like three years worth of losses for them. <laughs> it really is. You, yeah. You know, and you look at what's happened with 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 UCF, and I, I guess it would be safe to say the biggest issue they've had is just having the consistent time together. Yeah, I definitely think so. I mean, you got to remember that. Besides, I, I mean, all almost all the. If I'm not mistaken, actually, all yeah, all there's three seniors on this team. You know, Avery Diggs, Brandon Mahan, and um, Darius Perry, and they're they're all you got to remember they're all transfers, right? Like, I mean, they're all they're all players that came in from other programs, um, or you know, Avery Diggs was a junior college guy. So, 
I mean, they haven't been here for years. This team is relatively young still. A lot of freshmen and sophomores that are going to be huge contributors next year, uh, you know, as well as, you know, big contributors this year already. Um, and so when you have that youth on a team and you have a lot of transfers, um, it's hard enough in, a, in any year to gain some chemistry. But when you take out the off season, you take out the preseason, and all of a sudden, you know, these guys are just kind of have a few practices and they're just kind of thrown into the mix. And then on top of that, once you start getting going, they started out, what, three and one, hmm. you know, with some big wins. Um, you know, once you start getting going and then all of a sudden you have two 12-day stretches that you have to deal with, uh, you know, time off or only five, six guys in practice. Um, and you just have this huge kind of, you know, you're almost going into games, and even Ron Hunter talked about it on the Tulane side because they've been hit by by COVID really bad as well this year. Where you're just kind of getting into this stretch of the season where you're playing games every other day or every you know every two or three days, and um, and you're just, it's almost like a pickup game at some point. It's it's kind of crazy. It's it's kind of like. I don't even want to compare it to high school basketball because high school basketball, you practiced every day. There wasn't a game. And sometimes you're not even able to do that this year. And so it's really just an interesting kind of, it's kind of like an exhibition season. You can't get too emotional about the losses or quite frankly, the wins that happened this year. Wins are kind of bonuses. Can't get too emotional about what happens on the court because this is a little bit of a throwaway year, unfortunately, with the amount that these college athletes have had to deal with. Um, I wanted to make a point on the end of the broadcast to just kind of say, you know, understanding the you know college fit, foot, college basketball fans need to really kind of understand and appreciate what these athletes are going through, what these student athletes are going through this year. Not only having to deal with the pandemic, but keep their studies up while they're away sometimes for an entire week to eight days, you know, playing four games in that stretch. Um, It's just a really interesting season that these athletes are going through. And it's hard enough to be a division one college, um, you know, sport athlete. Um, But it's even harder what they're going through this year. So I I really just kind of tip my cap to, um, to all these all these basketball players across the country and what they're what they're dealing with. Yeah, and you know, and one of the things I think I noticed a lot about uh, about this team is you know they they have long scoring droughts and and this yes. is not not an uncommon thing. I mean, I mean, this was a little bit of an issue even you know uh, during the uh, the glory days of a couple of seasons ago. Um, <clears throat> is 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 that just you know is that kind of a byproduct of sometimes you have to live with that with a defensive oriented team? I think sometimes I, it's it's been it's been kind of back and forth with this team. A lot of the times when they go into long scoring routes um, in, earlier in the season, even really up until about a week and a half ago, a lot of the scoring droughts were due to our lack of taking care of the ball. Right, like we had a lot of turnover issues in the, in the beginning of the season, middle of the season, even even up to about. A week and a half ago, uh, they seem to have cleaned that up a little bit lately. But it, you got games like the Cincinnati game that just happened on this past, you know, yesterday on Sunday, um, 
And, you know, that game was another, it was a one-point loss. We were certainly right there with a chance at the end, and we kind of chipped away at their lead towards the end to try to see if we could take it over. But um, at at the end of the day, we just missed shots down the stretch. We missed shots at key moments um, in the the second half. And the last, like, I'd say three or four games, we've cleaned up the turnovers – at least the critical turnovers, the unforced errors that we were seeing a lot um, as recently as a couple weeks ago, but we've cleaned up a lot of that. But uh, there are some certain times where we're missing even wide open shots. And so I do like what Johnny Dawkins has done um, a, a lot in the last few games where he's making sure that the offense is at least um, you know, get trying to get the ball inside on almost every play or just trying to get the ball in the paint in general, whether it be a drive and kick with Darius Perry or, um, or Dre Fuller trying to drive the lane, uh, trying to get the ball to our key shooters from the inside position, I think is working out really well for us. Um, we haven't been able to pull it out in, in, in every game. Certainly the last two losses have been tough being one point losses, but you see a lot more cohesiveness on offense that as long as they can start knocking down some shots, um, like unfortunately they weren't able to do it against Cincinnati. They were able to do it, especially in the first half against Tulane. Uh, we can start knocking down some shots. Uh, you know, I've always said this whole year, like we're talented enough to beat anybody in this conference, potentially anybody in this country. Just we got to put it together for 40 minutes and it just hasn't, we haven't been able to do that consistently, and it's just kind of the nature of the beast this season, I guess. Yeah, maybe so. And I know, I know, it's like sometimes they'll get bogged down where there's not much movement uh, without the ball, and and they get a little three point happy uh, from beyond yes. the arc. Uh, but uh, definitely, it's you know, I, again, I think that comes down to you know having consistent time. Uh, to kind of work those things out, that's for sure. Um, and and they fall into sometimes when they go on the scoring drafts, they kind of fall out of what got them the lead in the first place or got them in the game in the first place. They kind of start to take too much one-on-one basketball. They don't look for their teammates enough. They're not running their offense. It's more of they're kind of looking for their own shot. And that's where right now we, we get into some trouble uh, with these guys. And, and I think that's a something that, Clearly, Dawkins has emphasized over the last three, four games because we've cleaned it up a little bit, but we still haven't been able to put it together for a full 40 um, consistently, I'd say. Yeah. Well, you know, we're not that far away from March Madness, which is a, such a glorious time of the year, uh, in, in not just in basketball, but in sports in general. And one of the things I always think about with March Madness is the fact that, you, unlike their brethren in college football, Everybody has a chance now. That's right. You know, March Madness. Sure, it's weighted more towards the 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 more powerful conferences, but there's plenty of seats at the table for the, for the other schools, and and the opportunity exists. You look, you know, what Gonzaga has done. You know, they've become a, a basketball power uh, mm-hmm. by what they've done. You look at George Mason. You look at Butler played for the national championship and almost beat Duke. <laughs> Um, you know, uh, Loyola Chicago had a great run. So you see that, unlike in football, you know, it, to me, if they could import some of that kind of magic into the college football playoff, they would. I think the experience would be phenomenal. 
Yeah, and I think that you wouldn't even come close to one of the arguments that the expansion of the playoff, you know, the the ones against that uh, for some reason. I think one of the arguments that they always say is, oh, well, the college football season just means so, so much. Every game means so much. And, and I think that the actual introduction of the playoffs and the and and what really happened when they introduced the playoffs, they created the power five and the group of five. Right. Before but when the BCS era like that, didn't that talk didn't exist. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. They called it they called it by a different name. They called it the BCS conferences versus others. But still like that separation, that clear line didn't exist. And um, so the reality of anybody who says, yeah, oh, well, we're you know every game means so much because there's only four teams that make it in. What the, what it what it means is that every game means so much to only a select group of teams across the country, you know. Um, and so I still think that you wouldn't suffer at all the regular season of college football if you just expanded the playoffs. And I like personally, I like the idea of um, I don't know how many teams necessarily you would need, but you you know. You essentially have all conference champions have a have a chance, and then you have, you know, let's call it four at large bids um, it, that can be selected from anywhere, any conference, and you could have a bye week for the top teams, so they're rewarded for being the top teams, and and you know give these teams a chance to um, to to duke it out on the field. I mean, that's that's what that's what makes March Madness so special. Yeah, and 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 you and even with the the seats at the table for the the non power leagues, you know, by and large, still the very best teams in college basketball are going to be there in the mix at the end, right? With you know, in, but you know, the, but the fact that you know, uh, schools that are are not in the SEC or the ACC or the or or, or the Big Twelve. It can still have a chance if it's a, if it's laid out there for them. That 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 to me is just such such a great beauty of the sport. Yeah, I agree. And um, I mean, I, I mean, shoot, you're talking to somebody who played on a team in the Atlantic Sun. You know that I got to experience the yes. NCAA tournament. You know, we won the conference in 2004. I mean, that's obviously a one-bid league, and you see you have to win your conference tournament to get it. But we knew that going into the season, and that's our goal, right? Our goal is to win the, the regular season of the A-Sun, and, and our goal was to put ourselves in the best position to win the conference tournament so we could get into the big dance. And um, just knowing that as long as you take care of business as a basketball team, that you are going to be able to put yourself in a great position to be in um you know in the ncaa tournament is is is, it's just it's great for all of college basketball and and there's nobody can really tell me any different that we can't transfer that type of energy and make college football that much better yeah Uh, i mean and and as you said you know the top four teams right like uh, i mean I even saw on college game day, the basketball game day on ESPN like a couple weeks ago, they were arguing, would you take Gonzaga, Baylor, or the, or, you know, a grouping of Gonzaga or Baylor this year or the field to win the, you know, to win the championship because those teams have separated themselves and they're so elite this year. Um, and, uh, and a lot of guys had to think about that, but I don't think there's any doubt that this year, uh, you know, in the NCAA tournament, those are going to be the top two teams and more than likely both of those teams are going to be in the final four this year, but whether or not they're going to 
they're guaranteed to win it. That's not knowing that makes makes March Madness special as well. Yeah, they still got to go out there and do it. That's for sure. And of course, you mentioned uh, you know being in the NCAA tournament in two thousand four, and again, that's also another indication of anything can happen. Where you guys had you guys had Pitt on upset alert. You know, we certainly did. Yeah, Rob Ross knocking down a bunch of threes toward the end. We took the lead with about two minutes left in the game, I think. And I remember Coach Spira turning to the crowd in in uh, Wisconsin, in Milwaukee, there, Wisconsin. There a bunch of Wisconsin fans that wanted us to beat Pitt because they'd rather play. They would have rather played us uh, than uh, than Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh uh, in the following game. And uh, you know, turned around and and uh, and. And, and you know, I remember when we took the lead, Coach Spiro turns around to the, all the Wisconsin fans and like kind of points at him. He says, "Come on, we need you." And he, you know, he like <laughs> raises his hands. And, and it was it was a wild moment, but um, but yeah, I mean, even uh, even you think about a couple years ago with UCF basketball, right? Like we we should have beaten the you know the top a top seeded team in, in Duke that year. Uh, we certainly were right there. That tip goes in, um, which is obviously heartbreaking moment for all of us uh ucf fans but um i mean that tip goes in all of a sudden we're in the sweet 16 with a real chance of going further than that i mean that uh you kind of knock off the giant and then all of a sudden you look around and you're like you know, there's still some great teams in it but you just you just knocked off a big big check mark from your list there um that's also what makes it really cool is that you can get those upsets but you can follow like all of a sudden you can wake up and realize whoa this is a good team that's actually beating other teams besides just the one upset. Yeah, I mean, you look like a, like a team a few years ago like uh, Florida Gulf Coast would be a perfect example yes. of that, you know? <laughs> yeah. That's for sure. Well, uh, Ben, before I let you go, i got to get you get your thoughts on the new head football coach at UCF, Gus Malzahn. What, what's your take? Uh, man, Jeff, I'm, I'm super excited. I know that I, I feel like last night on Twitter there was a, a lot of UCF fans that were – to say the least, not too enthused about Gus, but I, I honestly think that the more I thought about it last night and today, I would just the more I got excited about it. I mean, you could argue that as far as name value goes and as far as experience up until that point, he might be the biggest name, the biggest name hire at UCF history, uh, regardless of the coach. Um, and so you know, with somebody that's got that much experience, championship experience in arguably the toughest division in football, um, and such a high pressure, high pressure, you know, situation that he was in year in and year out at Auburn, um, bringing all that experience um, into into UCF, I think, is hugely value valuable. And on top of that, he's a great offensive mind. And then I think I mentioned everybody that was kind of back and forth on Twitter last night. Um, I think you saw the tide turn today once he got up at the podium and UCF fans, all, you know, all realized that, wow, this guy is not only here, but he looked like a reinvigorated Gus Malzahn. He looked like a guy that if you, if you know about his career, like he just looked like he was just rejuvenated. Like he just got the best, you know, best situation, like he knew it was the best situation for him, his family, and for what he wants to do as a head coach moving forward. Just that excitement that he kind of exuded from that podium today, I, I, you couldn't help as a UCF fan to get really excited about uh, 
about Gus Malzahn being our head coach. And I, I just, I'm, I'm happy that he's here. It seemed to be a very good choice. We had a few good choices in front of us, but to get that type of experience is pretty awesome. Yeah, and you know, and, and this just goes to show you uh, how, how times change, right? Who'd have thought after the Peach Bowl, the guy on the other sideline would be our head coach? <laughs> yeah, if you asked anybody, nobody nobody would have thought that would happen. And uh, but you're right. I mean, it's just, it's wild to see how, um, how, how the UCF brand and the UCF program, uh, just entire athletics program, but it's all... We all know football runs the runs the show, right? They they drive the ship, and so um, you know the elevation of the football program over the last five years. Um, it, it was no more evident than this week, right? That we got a we got an AD who um, left his alma mater, his longtime alma mater, the place that he loved, to get a great opportunity to you know come here to UCF and and continue. Um, to kind of vault his career and then and then all of a sudden you, you we get a big name hire like Gus Malzahn I mean it's just it's just a fun time over the last couple of months it's been pretty weird but um being a UCF fan and I, I have a feeling that you know the the strange times are, are probably ahead for us uh you know in one way or in another I, I guess you can never predict it but um but certainly this last week has got you gotta have uh UCF fans pretty proud to um of their school and what we're what we're going to accomplish in the future. Yeah, interesting. When you bring up the brand, you know, when you think about that, you know, because you know it's uh, it's on the it's on the it's on the first page of all the sports websites. You know, that didn't happen when we hired Scott Frost, right? <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, think about it. I mean, even when Danny White came here, right before we before we hired Scott Frost, I mean. Uh, I mean, we we looked at it, all right. This guy seems pretty good, and then all of a sudden, you know, Frost was leaving Oregon, right, to to come come here, and everybody was like, well, "That's kind of a strange move." I, I get it; he became a head coach, but you know, that that team didn't win a game. The you know the the uh, the previous year when he before he came here, so yeah, just the difference between um, you know that time in 2015. Um, to now, you know, just five years later, six years later, it's just it's just really cool to see. And uh, you know, I, I even uh, you, you're you're kind of like me, Jeff, as far as old, a little bit old school alumni. You know, like I mean, I, I go on campus now. Now, I mean, I went on campus on Friday night, and I'm still like kind of blown away every time I go over there. Just with oh man, this is here now. This is here now. This restaurant or this tower or whatever, you know, and um, it's just really cool to be a part of it, kind of be a part of that foundation and just see it see it continue to move up. Well, Ben, as always, we do appreciate it. Of course, folks can catch you on the Nightline Sports Network uh, uh, covering UCF basketball on the podcast, co-hosting the radio show on Tuesday nights on WDBO and uh, on Twitter at BigSocial32. Brother, we always appreciate right. your time, man. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me, Jeff. It's always great talking to you, and uh, we'll we'll hopefully talk again soon. And we will close out with a TV theme right after this. No Republicans, no Democrats, no team from Washington, no team with a star on the side of their head. We don't even talk about alpha and beta storms around here. And if you believe all of that, I have a bridge to sell you in Brooklyn. Captain and company in the morning, join me 9 to noon. 
weekday mornings on OldSchool101.com because class is always in session around here, virus or no virus. That is the theme from Wings, which ran on NBC from April 1990 to May 1997, eight seasons in all. Story about uh, two brothers who uh, run a small airline in Nantucket, Massachusetts, Sandpiper Air, and a show about them and their uh, childhood friend, Helen Chapel. Joe and Brian Hackett are the brothers. Of course, they are played by Tim Daly as Joe. He was the the mild-mannered, straight-faced one, while his brother Brian, the zany, wacky, carefree troublemaker, Stephen Weber, terrific actor. He, he, he can do just about anything. He's excellent. Uh, and again, Crystal Bernard was Helen Chapel, And, of course, she's in love with older brother Joe. Crystal Bernard hit the scene in the late seasons of Happy Days as Cousin Casey. Also on the cast, one of the one, a great a great uh, uh, comedic actor Thomas Hayden Church played Lowell Mather. David Tram was Roy Biggins, who ran a competing airline. He was the big gruff, wisecracking, kind of a bully type. Rebecca Shaw played Faye Cochran, who was the basically the uh, uh, the counterperson for Sam Piper Air, and Tony Shaloub. Played Antonio Scarpacci long before his monk days. Was a guest in season two and then finished out the remaining seasons three through eight. And uh, Wings became part of that Thursday night must-see TV lineup, if you will. It was, of course, created and produced by Cheers veterans David Angel, Peter Casey, and David Lee. And they would also go on to do, as you know, Frasier. Wings, our closing TV theme for this week. And with that, we are done here. Thanks for listening to Jeff Allen Sports Talk. Follow Jeff on Twitter at Jeff Allen underscore 88, on Facebook at Jeff Allen 88, and the website JeffAllenSportsTalk.com. And you can reach out to the show anytime by email, JeffAllenSportsTalk at gmail.com. Jeff Allen Sports Talk is brought to you exclusively by Kramer's Salve for Dogs. Does your dog itch, suffer from debilitating skin allergies, or trouble hot spots? We have the solution using the healing power of neem. Kramer's Salve is a safe and natural approach to help your best friend live an itch-free life. Go to KramerSalve.net to order today with new low pricing. That's K-R-A-M-E-R-S-A-L-V-E dot net.